0: Welcome to the Past Life Awakening Institute podcast. I'm Mark Beal, a past life regression therapist and trainer. Each episode shines a light on healers, like hypnosis and hypnotherapy, past lives, between lives and spirit releasement therapy. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in any of these modalities, go to my pastlifeawakeninginstitute.com website for details. Today, my guest is Simon Bowne, past life regression therapist and host of the Past Lives podcast. Simon's got a fantastic podcast investigating evidence demonstrating the survival of the human soul, looking at past life memories and near-death experiences, which I really recommend listening to. He has a lot of experts in the area and is a fascinating interviewer. Welcome to the podcast, Simon. Thanks very much for being here.
1: Well, thanks for asking me to come on. It's very interesting. I'm usually the the host asking the questions, so... This time I'm the victim, should be interesting.
0: Exactly, the roles the reverse. I think a lot of your uh, listeners will enjoy this. So Simon, can you tell us a little bit about that podcast?
1: My website is called pastlifeshypnosis.co.uk and that's a kind of dual website where part of it's dedicated to the podcast and part of it's dedicated to the past life regression therapy. So far, I've done 170 episodes. Each one's an hour long interview. And I try and go in depth with the the guests. There's I've interviewed Dr. Raymond Moody, Dr. Eben Alexander, there's uh, Leslie Kane, who she wrote the book Surviving Death that the Netflix series is based on uh, Dr. Christopher Kerr. I mean, there's so many people. And, you know, Eben Alexander was professor of neurosurgery at Harvard Medical School, and he had a near death experience. So he's, you know, he's a great guest because he not only had the near-death experience, but he's got all that knowledge on how the brain works. And I interviewed the guy who's a professor of neuroscience at New York University. So there's that side of the podcast. But on the other side, I've interviewed people who've had near-death experiences and people who remember their past lives, like Jenny Cockle, who remembers all her past lives. She's never done it with hypnosis. And she said when she was a child, she thought it was weird that everybody didn't remember all their past lives. and I talk about deathbed visions, mediumship, shared death experiences, uh, there's, there's a whole ton of stuff there about the afterlife. So hopefully um people find it really interesting. I certainly love doing the interviews.
0: I really recommend that. and you go in depth, like as you say, near-death experiences, uh, ets uh, as well, and people with encounters with that, and you've got some personal experiences with that and and your own past lives that you've recalled. A lot of people do know you as a podcaster, but I thought we could start and focus on really Simon, the the therapist, the past life therapist, the hypnotherapist. So can you tell us a little bit in that other hat that you wear, what are the main modalities that you do use?
1: I was trained as a clinical hypnotherapist. And so I learned all sorts of techniques working with uh, stopping smoking and weight loss and, you know, maybe fear of flying. And The thing was, I was always only really interested in past life regression and between lives. And so I've kind of filtered out everything else. And all I do now is the past life regression therapy. And occasionally people contact me for just out of interest. They just want to see what happens. And so I'm happy to do a single session with people if they want to just kind of do an exploration. Because when I, I was younger and I did my first past life regression in the 80s, that's all I wanted. It wasn't for therapy. I just wanted to see what would happen.
0: So you started off studying hypnotherapy. So how did you find the connection from hypnotherapy, then leading into past life regression?
1: Well, it was, you know, I had the experience of people, hypnotherapists around me, like the first one was at the College of Psychic Studies in London. And then there were other people who I contacted over the years. And so I'd been taken through past life regressions and I had this great interest in hypnosis and when I wanted to do become trained as a hypnotherapist I did a lot of searching around and it seemed like there were some courses where they they'd maybe do just a weekend eight hours on a Saturday and Sunday and give you a certificate and say hey you're a hypnotherapist now and I thought that's that's no good you can't really learn to do this like that so I went on an extensive course that was 10 months and 160 hours of classroom time and so much work outside of that eventually i handed in a portfolio that was 78000 words and you know it went to the national council for hypnotherapy that's where i got my diploma and that's like that's the recognised body in the uk for hypnotherapy so i felt that i got full proper training Because, you know, you don't want to go to a hypnotherapist who hasn't really been trained and is just kind of making up as they go along. And it was a thing where I was helping people lose weight and stop smoking. And I had particular success in stopping smoking. And lots of people would come to me for that. And that came out of word of mouth. But at the same time, all I really wanted to do was past life regressions. And so that's when I started to seek out doing a course in past life regression therapy and i wanted it to be extensive and uh, not just a weekend again or not just watching a couple of videos online and then that's you get your certificate so that was what was so good about your course is that we could do all those zoom calls and you could connect me with other students and we could practice the past life regression on each other and the, all these questions that needed to be answered and we go over all these things and that's why where I got my confidence to do past life regression therapy is studying your course and combining that with everything I'd learned from the previous course and all my experience from it before.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, that makes sense. So on the course that you'd done initially, you wanted to do past life regression, but you really wanted to get that foundation in hypnotherapy. So as you were doing that, what was their attitude to past life regression? Was that a little bit part of the hypnotherapy course or... Was that something of interest to a lot of other people there or not so much
1: it was not a part of the course at all and the guy that did the training he he just, he was uh what he called a hypnosis nerd so he, he tried everything and he had a blog on his site where he did a past life regression and saw a previous life so he knew all about it but i think what he wanted was for his courses to have this kind of a reputation and if you there's certain parts, you know, of the society or perhaps of the hypnotherapy community that would see past life regression as not legitimate in some way. And so he didn't want to have that as part of his reputation. So that there was nothing about it in that course at all.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's an understandable strategic choice. And I've sort of made the exact opposite one, which is I am yeah. an NGH hip certified hypnotherapy trainer. But I chose to call myself the Past Life Awakening Institute. But it's an interesting strategic decision not to emphasize it. And for some of those cultural reasons, which makes perfect sense, that's something that uh, you've then gone on to really uh, investigate and explore. Is that part of what uh, has given you that sort of really investigative approach?
1: Yeah, yeah, because I I feel like... Um, I don't know if it's a male thing or a Western thing, but I'm looking for evidence and a kind of logical examination of it and trying to avoid what you might call the hairy fairy woo stuff and not just believing anything I hear straight away. And I've talked to, I've done over 170 episodes now on the podcast. Each one is an hour long interview and just about every guest has a book out and to find the questions that I want to answer, ask them, because I really try and go in depth. So I'll read their book in the lead up to the interview. So, you know, I've probably read 150 of these books before I've interviewed the author. And so for me, it's been a great education. But in the decades before that, I was reading tons of books anyway. And I've got a book right here.
0: Yep. Where reincarnation and biology intersect, Ian Stevenson.
1: You know, Ian Stevenson was a professor of psychiatry I think it was at University of Virginia and he interviewed he's got over 2600 cases of children that remember past lives and so many of them were verified and so that that's what I like about it this kind of verification and looking for evidence is that these children would say all this stuff and then he'd use that information and track down the original family and verify that that life existed and everything the child was saying was real And in this book, I find this sort of thing fascinating. If you see that, one of those guys is Ian Stevenson's interpreter, the old guy there, and the other guy next to him is from the same country. They're both in Burma or uh, Myanmar. Yep. But the boy, he remembers life as an American pilot. And he was shot down over Burma during the Second World War. And you could see in his picture there how he looked so much paler than the man he was with. And he had blonde hair and blue eyes. And it's, it's a suggestion that that life as an American has come through into this life and affected, his, affected him physically in some way. And so that, that's another verification of all the memories that he has. And he had so much description about the, the aircraft and the people he was with and the, the life of that pilot and the name, the, the thing is that, that for that life, they couldn't track down the life. But this that, that book is full of these cases of people who have marks on their body or deformities at birth that relate directly to their past life memories. And so I see that kind of verification as, as so fascinating. And also when I see uh, verifications that are just as powerful in near-death experiences, Then I talk to near-death experiences, and they talk about during their time, what you could say is in the afterlife, they have discussed reincarnation. They were told all about reincarnation while they were in that space. And everything they talk about is so similar to what we might talk about with past life regression. So I love all these kind of verifications. And also this helps me if I'm doing a session with a, somebody and they talk about something happening during the session that might be in that afterlife space if we take them through the death of the past life and they talk about things that I'm I have knowledge about because of I've investigated near-death experiences so it's an interesting crossover and it also helps with that kind of therapy or, or maybe not the therapeutic side but in the hypnosis if somebody tells me something and I didn't know anything about it from near-death experiences or doing the podcast, I might be at a loss. I might be start floundering and not quite know what questions to ask or how to guide them. So it's been very useful as part of past life regression therapy to have all that background knowledge.
0: That makes sense. Through a lot of the research and the stories that you've heard, that doesn't then create a block of darting, wondering, questioning. You can just sort of get on with it and, and get the narrative and, and get to some of the therapeutic resolutions. And I think maybe that happens sort of culturally as well you know i've lived in asia for 20 years so they don't ask me a lot of questions is reincarnation true or is this just some strange asian idea you know in asia (laughs) that question's not there they're just like "Uh, of course they are and let's get on with the therapy it depends on the kind of people you're working with there can be some of those conscious questions to go through you know explain what is reincarnation how does it work is it really real and some of these evidences are really important before they can allow their conscious mind to go to the background and let their subconscious come to the forefront. And that can happen individually. I think it can happen as an entire culture. When you started out you know, in the late eighties, culturally past lives was a kind of an out there, woo, woo, strange thing, but Brian Weiss and a lot of books and your podcast helps people understand and accept and, and know it in a lot of details, how it works and therefore question it less, and allow them to access some of their inner wisdom more. Do you see things as developing that kind of way?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think um, there's a lot more knowledge and acceptance of reincarnation in the West, in certain areas. I, I occasionally get clients from the United States, and they might say, look, you know what, I'm in the Bible Belt, and I'm doing this past life regression, but I'd never tell my mom I'm doing this, so I, Because she's uh, such a strong Christian, you know. And so I suppose there are still barriers there. But, you know, there was that uh, Netflix series recently called Surviving Death. And one of the episodes there was all about children that remember past lives. So it's getting more mainstream and people are learning more about it.
0: And for me, the key thing there is just that people uh, see it as a credible uh, therapy. Um, but I'm sort of curious now about uh, even the kind of people that you do work with.
1: Yeah, it's mostly the people that listen to my podcast. Occasionally there's people who, you know, it's word of mouth or somebody will listen to the podcast and they'll, they'll have told somebody you, you should try this kind of thing because you, I don't know if you ever get this, but people say to you, you know, you might, it's almost like you're my last resort. I've tried everything else, but, um. Yeah, it's mostly people that listen to the podcast and some of them have have so much knowledge about it. So if you're doing a free consultation call beforehand, you don't have to go into all sorts of details and explanations and they may have done past life regressions before with other people. Occasionally, you know, there's, there's somebody who doesn't really know anything about it, but it's been recommended. If it's all right to talk about one person I work with, She uh, came to me because her brother said she should try this and she's had this terrible guilt and she just doesn't know where it comes from. She's felt really guilty. And I took her and we went through three different lives. And in each one, there was this something that happened that caused tremendous guilt. And so it was like really compounded across those three lives and afterwards she just looked so bewildered and she said to me she said i just i don't understand i don't know what's just happened to me with this hypnosis and um she felt that there's uh, something had been lifted off her like some weight some sci- something psychological just by having knowledge of these lives and i also went through that process of breaking the bonds of time to you know to try and help her release this energy so it was fascinating that she knew nothing about it and she went into those three past lives and it was they were all linked and there was so much insight for her and um, I asked her to email me back and let me know how she's getting on so I'm looking forward to getting an email from her and hopefully it's been really positive
0: i think there's a difference even between you know i understand hypnosis hypnotherapy and i've recalled some past lives and i've had deeply emotional insights which relate directly to presenting issues in this life and that when i go back into a past life i have really moving experiences
1: it's uh often i see people wiping tears from their eyes and they might not really be uh crying or weeping but they're just talking and constantly tears are coming out of their eyes. And sometimes it's, it's they could be in a, something in a past life that's not particularly emotional, but still something's coming through there. And it, it does seem to be quite a release, some kind of emotional, you know, it's cathartic to do that.
0: Exactly. Just even the basic insight, that emotive response is part of the evidence. So that's a wonderful experience as a, as a therapist. And that sort of gives you the evidence that, oh, this is worth doing.
1: Yeah, and it's a thing where they may be very tearful during the hypnosis, and they look so unhappy. But when you bring them out of it towards the end of the session, they will be "Oh, that was amazing! That was so brilliant! That we, and you know, and I feel so much better." So it's interesting that uh, it's almost like you make people cry for a living, and they they pay you for it, and they're happy about it.
0: Well, that's a great point. And I think uh, that's what you need to really understand as a healer. And I think a lot of people fall into a trap if somebody cries or seems to be in pain or is going through something traumatic, and then they want to jump in and heal it. I think the more you can sit with it, explore it, gather the narrative, learn about it to be able to process that. So in like, fact, is that something that you find? Like, What are the consequences of that?
1: I, I get emails from podcast listeners who say that they they may have lost somebody And they're searching for something that they'd never looked for it before. But having a past life regression in some way verifies that there is an afterlife. And so it it can help when you're grieving for someone. And, you know, I had a client. She wanted to do a past life regression. And she mentioned that her son had died maybe a year ago. And we were. She was got to this point. She was a little girl in the kitchen, and it looks about the Victorian era. And she said, "Oh, my brothers just walked in the room." And I said, "You mean uh, the brother in the past life family?" She said, "No, my brother from this life." And he says he's he's come just to tell me that he's okay. And so that that was a weird, spontaneous thing that happened there, because I had said to her when we started this, that uh, you know. If she was looking for something, some kind of communication like that, then it's pretty much not going to happen. And we can't guarantee anything like that would happen. And so that's only a couple of times that something like that. And she, so she had a kind of double benefit when we did the therapy of that session. And she had that contact with her brother. And I think that was quite life changing for her. And on another level there's there's kind of little changes I suppose you know there was a woman who had back pain and she went to a past life where she was in a motorbike accident her father in that life was riding the bike and she was a passenger and her father died in the crash and she broke her back in that crash and since then she emailed me and she said that whenever she thought about that regression, she got this nice warm feeling in her back where the pain was and there was some relief from the pain. It wasn't 100% relief, but from the sessions, it it definitely helped. And so there's that kind of uh, smaller sort of change that helps with something, physical pain like that. And like I said, there was something that gave her something, this other client with her son, it gave her something that I don't think you could get anywhere else. If you sit with a medium and you get some verifiable information, it's not the same as actually seeing it in your mind's eye and getting that connection yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I often think about it as we're enabling a sort of a psychic capacity within our clients. And, and, it, and it's an inner wisdom that comes from them. And it's their, it's their uh, deep felt experience that's really helpful so and all of this came because you know you went from a deep interest in the subject and the curiosity about it and then that evolved into working with other people so I'm a bit curious to go through a bit of your healer's path so about uh, where you grew up and and even before you got into past life regression or then before hypnotherapy what were even some of your earliest influences is it something that uh, you were interested in as a kid and so where did you grow up what was the culture around healing? Have you always been interested in spiritual healing or what started the journey for you?
1: Yeah, well, I, I was born in West London. I grew up in West London and we weren't a religious family and I didn't have any friends that were religious. So I've always been on the the outside when it comes to religion, but it was never a, a thing where we were strong atheists and, um, I always had an interest in the supernatural and paranormal. And, you know, I, I remember as 10 years old, I'd go to the local public library and I would take books out on ghosts and Bigfoot and UFOs. And over time, it's like some of that, some of those subjects kind of fell by the wayside. And it really came down to this interest in the afterlife and seeing things where there could be some kind of verification. And for some reason, I had an interest in UFOs as well. And it's only recently in the last few years I've seen a connection between the afterlife and UFOs, but it it was in the 80s, the early 80s. I I read Shirley MacLaine's books because my mum was a big fan of Shirley MacLaine. She read those books and she thought, oh, I think Simon would be interested in this stuff as well. So and then there was um, the book by Raymond Moody, Life After Life, which was fascinating and then i started going to see mediums and as far as the healers path goes it's interesting i saw mediums in the late 80s at the college of psychic studies they would be training mediums so i you could book a cheap session with one of the trainees or an expensive session with one of the teachers so i i do both and there were three or four of them said to me you're going to be a healer later in life and at that time, I thought, oh, don't be ridiculous. But it's weird that it's come true. And it, it's, it's almost that thing where you think, did, did I become do this because that's they told me I was going to do it? Or did they actually have some insight and know that I was going to do it? So the, the idea to take on healing and do the clinical hypnotherapy was only fairly recent, I suppose, maybe 10 years ago that I started looking at that.
0: Okay, interesting. And so, what kind of things had you done before then? I know you play bass, you you write science fiction. Uh, what other kind of things, career wise or life experiences, do you think contributed or were like transferable skills uh, once you did get more seriously into professional healing?
1: I'd like to think that I've got um, empathy and um, not judgmental, and I I, th- I think you know, and there's there's that thing, if if you have a client, you, you take them on board, if you're going to work with them, then you're not judgmental of anything they say, you, know, you, you have to accept them 100% for who they are, and work with them, you know, you can't be criticizing them or talking down to them at all. And I'd like to think that, like, for my whole life, I've always been very accepting of people, no matter what they're like, and who they are, and I suppose that could be a transferable skill, but um, I don't know if creativity adds to it. Do you think creativity would add to it?
0: I think so. I think uh, and like you know, I know you're a, a musician, and even you know you understand audio. So I think that I think that was a transferable skill for your podcast. You knew how to record good audio, and then you figured out, hey, I can do this with my other hobby, and so you know that's one thing I think that helped your podcast. But to, absolutely, a, you know, a creativity. Uh, and you know which is part of a musical mindset I think that creativity is really important for therapists and within music music's very creative but it's also very structured and has a lot of you know technical aspects that you need to be good at as well and I think that that applies uh, very much to therapy some people can be you know very creative but not very structured and other people can be very structured but less creative and I think we really have to be both to be a good therapist and probably the same to be a good musician they're they're very disciplined and as a There's a real mechanics to it. So does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I suppose something I've been thinking about is I got a bass guitar when I was 15 and uh, I became obsessed with it. And when I left school, I I didn't get a job and I played bass and I I would get up, you know, nine o'clock in the morning and I would play bass till say six o'clock in the evening. that really was every minute of every hour. I was just obsessed with it and I wanted to get things perfect. And I, there were all these complicated bass lines on all of these records I had, and I had to learn them and get them right. And so, after a few years of playing like that and getting to what I would call a high standard, if I should be immodest for a moment, mm. to being that a kind of a virtuoso on an instrument, what it taught me about myself is that if I put the work in, then I can achieve something. And so when it came to studying hypnotherapy and going on that course or or studying anything, I knew that I had to put the work in. But I also knew if I did put the work in, I, I could accomplish what I needed to. I could get to that point. And I think when I did the course originally, there were 30 people on it over 10 months. And there were only three of us that handed in all the coursework at the end of the 10 months. All the other people, they there was like a six-month leeway where after the end of the course, you had to hand it in within six months. and But I, I knuckled down and got it done. So I suppose having that knowledge of yourself that you can accomplish something if you put the work in, that helped me. And that that still helps me. And uh, it also teaches you you have to pay attention to the small things and the details.
0: I think that's a great message for a lot of people. A lot of people are hobbyists. A lot of people have vague curiosities in many things. But I think the difference between being a professional healer and having a certificate is what you're talking about. Is this this kind of obsession, I think, you know, uh, obsessively wanting to get base really right and, and doing that for years to know that you can get there. And I think really to be a good therapist, you do need to be, have a, comp- a compelling motivation or an inner drive, you could call it an obsession to really understand it and to not think that you know a little bit and now you're done. The self-understanding that, hey, I, I need to do a lot more practice to get what I could call good. I think a lot of people have a bit more confidence than, they, than they've earned. And, uh, and it's really helpful to, uh, to really know that it's a, it's a long journey and, and it takes a lot of work. And I think even like being a writer, it is really important as a therapist. So, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you had what, 78,000 words that you had to submit and most people didn't and you did. And, and the training that I do as well, it's really uh, emphasizes uh, writing case studies, you know, putting it into practice directly and then writing it up. You know, it's quite easy to think, oh, I did a good, I watched a video and I did a session that went quite well. But to really examine it and to write about it and to discuss it and to go over it and to think about it, I think it multiplies it. So did you find that kind of thing with the, the training that you did and the case studies for the Past Life Awakening Institute? Do you find that, that writing aspect helpful?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to do it after the session, not say, oh, okay, I'll do that in a couple of days. You've got to do it while you remember it and it's all clear in your mind. And I, I also record every session. So I send the recording to the client, but then that's also really useful to go back to listen to Because there's always, you know, I suppose you can listen back to it and think, oh, you know what, I should have asked them this thing, or I should have done that, or I could have worded that better. So it's self-critical, you know, it's it's that thing of not to think, hey, I'm fantastic, I got it all sorted out. And that there have been people who are past life regression therapists that I've interviewed over the years and the podcast, and they have books out, and these books have transcripts of sessions they've done. So... You know, I went through a process of getting all those books together and reading through all those transcripts and seeing what questions do they ask and, and can I bring those questions in to what I'm doing and maybe even looking for bad things as well so I, you know what to avoid.
0: Yeah, I think it's really helpful to do that to to replay what in my early days I used to do a session and then sort of do some self-hypnosis on myself would replay the whole session. <laughs> and remember what I did well and think oh that's good I'll do more of that and then think oh exactly what you said oh I could have said this or that there and then I'll make a note of it and maybe I'll catch it in the next session and then what happens is you do that enough that you know you've got staircase wit which is you think of the right thing to say as the guests are leaving but then your wit (sighs) catches up and you become faster so that you've got the wit and you've got the right reply and, and and you've just done it so many times but I find that you can do it once in reality, but then you know we're hypnotists. Let's use hypnosis. So I'd sort of go through my sessions hypnotically and and do them again, but better in a hypnotic state myself. And so rather than do just one session and learn a bit from it and sort of forget about it, and have lunch. I replay it in my mind, write it up, and uh, and reconsider, read, watch videos again, and think, and then get more ideas about how you can improve it. So that way. You know, eventually you become like very quick uh, in the moment, but I think that's, so that's a great way. And that, there's a kind of obsessiveness in that, but I think that sort of is the difference between you know an okay or good and 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 getting really great at it. Uh, and you know, you do that for you know you do that for your ten thousand hours, and, and you get there. And I think that's uh, really important for people that uh, are interested in really taking it to that professional level. Putting in that kind of work is is useful, and just knowing that the payoff comes already so like that, you know, you've got that evidence from your bass playing that, you know, and I really like those metaphors, and you know, a lot of times, you know, you learn a few chords, but then as you just keep on playing and keep practicing, then you really get into a flow. Yeah,
1: it's just, a, I just thought about, you, you learn the chords, it's like learning a technique in uh, hypnosis, and you can use all the combinations of the chords in each song, and you have the same chords in every song, but they come in a different order. And it's the same with techniques and sessions. You, um, it's almost like each one's a different song. You use the same chords, but in a different order. Is that making sense?
0: It does. It really does. Uh, I like. I really like that. I hadn't really thought of it in that way. Because I find one thing, you know, when I teach people, they often, firstly, what you said was, you know, I, it gives me the confidence to go ahead and, and do it in the first place. So, that is, a, that is a first thing. So the confidence just to pick up the guitar and be a little bit punk rock and just say, I know the first three chords, but I'm going to get up on stage and do it anyway. But then people still go, but I still feel a little bit clunky. And it's like, that's okay. And then they lose confidence and then they never do it again. And oh yeah, I was a past life therapist once and I did sort of 20 sessions and you know I met a couple of clients who were quite difficult and that was it. And so part of the approach that I take is mentoring people through which is get, you know, put give them a little push, get up there. You know, the three chords and, and to find that as they go along, that there will, there's a bit of clunkiness and that that's okay. And you will get better. You will get smoother. So it's the confidence to get up on stage. And then it's the confidence to persist and build competence and know that you will get virtuoso eventually but whatever blocks or, or clunkiness that you feel and that feels uncomfortable, but don't let that stop you. And, and then exactly right. And once you become less clunky, you realize, you know, and people often cling to like the script or the process. So it's got to be, you know, G, E, D or whatever chords are, but then they're like, oh, okay, well, it was supposed to be a G and I know that one, but then they showed up with an A minor and so like, oh, uh, and then I can I, I sort of heard about that chord, but I never had to use it. And now they start using it and they're like, and then they start to feel now I can be creative. Now you told, you told us it's supposed to be this structure and it is, but I also tell all my students like there's a flexibility that you can be creative once you, but only within the rules of music. So, you know, you can't just choose chords that are in different keys. In music, you have the discipline. Your chords must be within the same key. Otherwise it's gonna be all over the place. But as long as those chords are within the same key, then you can be creative and and go with whatever's coming up from their their subconscious. And then that's when you get that real competence and and flow and confidence and and enjoy it. And that's when people sort of lock in. It goes from, I'm a little bit nervous about doing sessions or I did a session I sort of was a bit critical of myself. So we can sort of be non-judgmental to other people. And a lot of people find that quite easy, but to be non-judgmental to yourself is quite important as well. And to say, that's okay, I was a bit clunky and I should have said this or that. I'm like, hey, that's why we have, you know, three to five sessions. You just get it next time and keep doing it for a few more sessions. And then you'll be getting it in the moment. And uh, and then you then you start, you know, jamming. And then you're having a really good time. then you can't stop doing sessions. So I think, you know, that. So that's sort of a, just to extend the metaphor fully. So do, do, do you find out? Is that metaphor still working?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's... Uh the the thing about the jamming and enjoying it and finding different ways of doing things and uh learning uh, like learning by yourself like reading the books and finding more stuff and then trying it out in a session if you think it's appropriate then that can be really good to learn that that's like learning something at home and then taking it to a
0: jam absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And so you mentioned as part of the Past Life Awakening Institute, I, I match up fellow students and all the students are at a pretty high level. And so, uh, and that's a safe space with which to get on stage in the first place, and to try out a few things. So did you find that was, so one thing, it's like, do a lot of work, write it up. But the other thing is like, here are people to work with. So did you find it helpful to have you know, that as a resource as well, uh, as part of the training?
1: Oh yeah definitely that's that's really important i think because you know if you're you're sitting there and it's a proper client they paid you money and you can really feel under pressure for that and it and your first few sessions you it could mess you up a little bit because you're so worried about your own performance but if you go through doing sessions with people who haven't paid you and in a way they know you're a student they're not expecting you to be perfect and so if you do mess up a little bit it's it doesn't matter so much and it's also you can talk about the student with it and they might have ideas that can help you and you might have ideas that can help them and it's like you say it's a safe space and you don't have to put all that pressure and stress on yourself and you won't uh, you know, you might worry that the client will think you're stupid because they think, "Why did I pay all this money for this 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 idiot?" But with the with the fellow students, you can get away with being an idiot.
0: Yeah, I find that a big issue with a lot of students, and I do try and push people and say, with the mentoring that you're getting from me, with the uh, curriculum that I'm taking you through, uh, you deserve to be paid. You're earning it, but still, people have you know, it, it is that state. And it's not, it's not a, and I kind of like it in a way, which is, it's like, there's more competence than confidence and we can increase the confidence as we go along. And once you've done that a couple of times, then you can go out and feel confident to do it with the clients. But just that that first initial step is a big one. So a lot of people do do quite a lot of free sessions. And to be honest, I've never done a free session in my life. You know, yeah. I could, from day one. It was just like, I did a couple of very minor practice things in my in-person training you know, a long time ago. And then it was just practicing and it's just come in and, and pay. So I never done it. And so I, don't, I, don't, I recommend people to really get paid as early as you can. And I think that, that's really helpful, but just, the, just that little barrier of, and it's not a competence barrier because I think you've got the ability, but it's just that feeling. And so it's an inner state. And once that state shifts, because to, to, you then see the value so I'll say to people like you don't understand at the end of these three sessions they're going to have so much value and I know that because I've seen my students do it uh, and they'll know that then I know it now and you'll find it out later and then you'll go oh I wish I'd charged or oh I did create value you know and uh, and and you're investing in getting good by doing this kind of training anyway where I mentor you through it and we I'm sort of assisting along and and making sure everything's sort of heading in the right direction and part of the assessment at the beginning to make sure if it's a, an appropriate person or that preparation i think it's, people can charge right away but just to get over that hump is something that uh, is a big benefit a lot of people get so by the time you do graduate and you're working with people then you can just really have fun with it and 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 as a contrast to being like a little bit nervous about what people are thinking of you to like having fun and being really clear and confident at peace with yourself as a therapist is so helpful to them as a client.
1: Yeah, I think there's some people who may worry about charging who don't feel they should charge it when they start out. But the client's paying for your time and your expertise. And I think there may also be a feeling that if you're supposed to be taking someone through a past life regression, and they don't, They just don't go into the hypnosis. Maybe they're really anxious about it. They can't relax. They can't follow the guidance. And then at the end of the session, people might think, well, I better have given their money back because they didn't go into a past life, but actually they're paying for your time and your expertise. And if you go through the process properly, as you do with everyone else, it's not down to your incompetence. They didn't get into a past life. It's, it's, there's somebody who just can't relax enough and follow the guidance, and it, it's very rare. But it happened to me; it has happened to me twice out of all the sessions I've done.
0: Right, it is quite a rare thing, and I think even uh, and one way to even avoid even the very rarest of times is to really uh, assess upfront uh, and to, to make sure it's really appropriate. And to and a lot of times I find you know we're wanting to regress to a causative event in the past to help them. And we can assume that it's past life regression or try and dictate to them that it is, but oftentimes that causative event in the past can easily be in this life. And so that even when I teach past life regression therapy, we often spend a reasonable amount of time in the first session going back to this life, because then that will then connect into past lives. And that's even, a, it's a smaller jump, and it can give people a feeling of success, but people can often sort of frame it as being a failure. Whereas they'll say, you know, I went back and had a cathartic release and discovered a memory from when I was five that I didn't know about. And that was really powerful, but you failed me because we didn't go into a past life. And you're like, hang on a second. <laughs> and so it's so a lot of times people will grab defeat out of the jaws of victory or you know, it's little things like that. So, so a lot of the times, I think that's one of the reasons why, and you know, I like the fact that you've done your, hypnotherapy as a base and i do teach that as a base on past life regression so you know a lot of times there are uh, good reasons and 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 therapeutic resolutions you can get to with or without without a past life um so does that make sense and do you see that do you find that this life regression is something that comes up uh even if people set an intention to go for past lives that um, important this life stuff can come up and maybe surprise you both. i haven't had that
1: you know i i've had the uh you know, we take people back to a point of peaceful confidence yep. as part of the process. And I have it a couple of times where people have just gone straight into a past life at that point. And even though when you're going through it, you say, we'll take you back to a point in this life. And they they completely jump somewhere else. And it's right. that thing. It's th- that idea that your higher self, or your spirit guides are choosing which life you might view. And. It's, it's almost like the spirit guides us. Like, no, forget all that. Don't mess about with all that rubbish. Come on, we've got to get on with it.
0: Right. Well, that's the exact opposite problem. Like sometimes I ask people to go back into a past life and very occasionally they won't. But sometimes I ask them just to, as a warm-up, go into this life and they just jump straight ahead into a past life. And that seems like much more common. So it's much more likely they'll go into a past life, even if you're not even trying, rather than trying hard and not getting there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's one of those things with experience, you've got to learn to adapt and try and work out what's going on, because occasionally that's happened. And I said, you know, so where are you in this place of peaceful confidence? And they'll just start talking about something that doesn't sound unhappy or anything, but it just doesn't sound right. You think, hang on a second, is this a past life or is this a current life? So Sometimes there's that little sort of subtlety you're not quite sure where they are if it's a past life or current life. you have to learn how to spot that and then know how to deal with it
0: absolutely in my earlier days i went on I went into quite long stories, and it was only you know thirty minutes in I realized oh it's not this life or it, it's a past <laughs> life. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so that definitely can happen, can, can happen a lot. And I think, uh, yeah, for for newer students, I think a lot of hypnotherapists, I think they actually, I think they may take people through regressions and never realize they would actually done a past life regression and think, oh, this was just some episode of their earlier life. I think that actually, that, that can happen to, to, to people who want to do credible hypnotherapy and not get into the strange past life stuff. I think a lot of people have the experience where they either, they, they know about it and don't talk about it or um, things like that can, can come up anyway. So I'm sort of curious about some individual case studies and, uh, I really like the way you've sprinkled in uh, some details here and there. I'm kind of curious about, uh, maybe some that, uh, sort of give the journey from the beginning to end. Can you give us an example of some, uh, therapy clients that have come in and, and found out that past lives are really relevant to the, this life issues and it really helps them in the moment.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting sometimes I've had somebody come to me with a very specific problem. there was a woman who had this thing with her uh, she'd have very nasty headaches and her jaw would be locking up and she wanted help with this this muscle I think the headaches was probably caused by her locking her muscles up on her jaw and so we went into a past life regression and she saw herself as a young girl maybe an adolescent on the back of a motorbike with her father and her father crashed the bike and she had a broken back in that accident and her father died and afterwards she was saying you know what i've always had this pain in my lower back and i didn't know where it came from so there was that's that's a kind of weird thing where we were targeting one thing in the therapy but whoever chooses the past lives you see chose something else. It was almost like they were thinking, no, we're not going to go where you want to go at the moment. We're going to go to this other place. And so working on the jaw came up like in the next session. And there was also another crossover there, which was a bit weird, where she um, went to a life where she had several children and the father had left and she didn't have enough money to feed the children. And she recognised one of the small boys as uh, her son in this life. And the son in this life has always had stomach upsets every week. And in that past life, that boy died because she couldn't feed him. She didn't have enough money to feed all the children. And in the week after that, her son had no stomach problems at all. And it was almost like there was some kind of energy release with her. That affected her son but we don't i don't know if it's just she started treating him in a different way started her behavior changed the way he went or maybe it it she fed him slightly differently so he didn't get the stomach aches but what i think this i did this a while ago with that lady i don't think we ever got to the thing with her jaw and her muscles looking up but other things came up on the way so that that's definitely an interesting one. and It, it was a, a life where she, I think it was some kind of Victorian time, where they were very poor and the husband left. She had seven children. Okay. And, you know, I wonder about that kind of energetic connection between her son in that previous life and how she recognised him as being her son in this life. And also having stomach problems, which is related to food. And you see a past life connection there. And that's something you see in those sessions, isn't it? Where somebody will be in a past life and they'll recognize somebody in that past life is with them in this life. And you can, that's part of the therapeutic thing. Sometimes you see them repeating patterns across lives of how they treat each other or or what things come up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so one interesting thing there is, you know, we talk about past life regression but we've got multiple lives there. And so you've got, you know, one life's about being the daughter with her dad on the back of a motorcycle. And another life, she's the mother uh, with a boy and uh, in Victorian times. Is that something that you see a lot? Clients not just having a past life, but having multiple past lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, It's a thing where in a session, what I would prefer to do is just go through one life and examine that and get into the detail, but spontaneously they'll jump to other lives sometimes and so you see it occasionally and and even i've had a couple of times somebody's jumped to a life on seems like it's another planet and it's sometimes i feel that i'm asking the client a question and there's just silence for ages and i think something's going on with their regression they're seeing something but they don't want to tell me maybe they don't want to appear foolish or, or something like that and it it does jump to different past lives and we'll see a past life like i had somebody who went back to ancient egypt they were just a, an ordinary person and then they jump forward a few hundred years and they jump forward a few hundred years again and i couldn't see a connection between the lives and i i think maybe there was some kind of a connection and i suppose with the experience you learning which questions to ask to try and find stuff but when they're a pauper in the ancient Egypt and then they're very rich a few hundred years later and the two lives are so different and I couldn't work out why they might have jumped between the two and if there should be a connection.
0: Yeah, that makes sense and so you know I asked the question that is something I do see a lot and I think that's one of the benefits of doing a few sessions. And so one of them is, you know, the first session you can get a certain past life. And oftentimes you'll get that past life narrative and then you'll go and resolve it in a, in a second or third session. But often you get, you know, a lot of detail about one life and you think, okay, we're done. That's, you know, they uh, had a jaw problem. They hurt their jaw then. They had relationship problems. Their daughter was this, their dad was that. Okay, good. But then they launch into a whole nother past life. And so, you know, we have to make these connections between this life and the past life and who were they, you know, and the, the balancing patterns, the repeating patterns. And oftentimes I do see this contrast where they're rich in one life and poor in another one. And this is, you know, for a diversity of experience, it, you know, varies a lot, whether the specific lessons, but we're in there, we can ask the spirit guide, you know, what, what particular, when we do a life review, what particular lessons did they learn? What was the benefit of being poor in this life? What did that teach them? And, uh, and vice versa, if, they, if they're wealthy. And I think it's really helpful to have those really contrasting lives. And uh, and you can figure out uh, as you go through the sessions, by the time you get to the third session, you might also, it's that same thing where you know you gather the first life in the first session, you get a whole nother life in the second session. And you're still like, oh, now I could have seen a connection or I could have asked this or I wonder if they're connected like this so we can connect this life to one life. But now we have to connect the two past lives to each other and see what they're communicating, what meaning is in there, what spiritual lessons are being taught through that. And we may only think of that in reflection when we think back on the session. But if we do and we bring them in for a third session, then we're ready and we can say the things that we wished we'd said the first time. So I think that's one of the benefits of having this, uh, a a three to five session structure. I think that part that you made there about sometimes people going to another planet and being slow or maybe embarrassed to say things i get that same similar kind of reaction but what i tend to find is that people tend to go to like other planet past lives when it's the third session so by that time they know you they know they trust themselves they know that you're not judgmental and they will then uh you know go into uh the and still say, oh, I know this is a bit weird, but I'll just honestly tell you what's happening and and go into it. And for me, those kind of things tend to come up a lot in the third session. And so I think that's sort of one of the benefits of having like an ongoing therapeutic relationship with people. And, And just from a therapeutic point of view, that really holds true as well, because people might come in and say, you know, I've got this issue with my sister, but they don't really want to tell you about sort of sexual abuse with the uncle. And certainly the first time you meet them, maybe not in the first session, but by the second or third session, they're like, okay, I've seen you've been able to help me with my mild to moderate issue. Now I feel comfortable to tell you about my really serious issue. And this is actually why I really want the first two sessions have kind of been a test. And now I trust you. And I know that you can help me. And uh, so now I'm going to give you the hard one. And so they can do that consciously and directly by going from like the presenting issue to the real issue, or their subconscious can do it, which is now she's ready to she you know before she was struggling to understand what is reincarnation, are past lives even real or credible, or are they just some weird thing? And over the two sessions in a few weeks, they sort of digest it, and now they're like, okay, I think past lives are a real thing. And then they're ready for a next stage, and then we get into a third session, and it can come up. So have you noticed that kind of progression with your clients, you know, during the therapeutic process?
1: I haven't so much. No, no, I, I have when the lives on other planets came up it was very much the end of the session and they did seem reluctant to tell me about it um there's been a couple of times where we i've been in a space with someone and asked them you know what's happening over here with these people or there will be outside a room there was one they were outside this room and they could hear a baby crying and i i said well let's see what's happening can you go in there and they said no the, the door's open, but it's black. And it's not like the room light has been switched off. It's di- like a, there's a black barrier there. And I wondered if there was something in the subconscious that was blocking it. It was almost like, well, we, we can take you this far in this past life, but you wouldn't be able to handle what's going on inside that room. Do you ever get something like that?
0: Yeah, there can be. And there can be a, a whole bunch of reasons for that. And I think a lot of times it can be uh, some of the preliminary therapy is useful to be done. So oftentimes I will do not, not even just a preparation of like going into a little bit of a past life before we get into the past lives properly. I'll, I'll often do two sessions of hypnotherapy and I find that's pretty helpful and that that can help alleviate that issue. Or what you can do is you can even do as much past life regression as you can do and then go backwards to do some hypnotherapy you do that and you go back and do more past life regression and suddenly those doors are open. So that's one way. It's sort of like the pre, if you really go deep into some of the prerequisites that can really open up doors for the past life regression. And another part of it can be, there can be like post-requisites, which is particularly the life on other planets. For me, you're getting quite close to between lives regression therapy, or there can even be uh uh, spirit releasement. So there can be uh, entities that are blocking for some reason, and that block may be, you know, uh, they're not ready, and and it's actually and a block's not a bad thing, which is they need to integrate it and in, do a bit of hypnotherapy or live for another six months and have certain experiences and then just come back and everything's fine, or maybe there is something actively blocking, in which case you can address it uh, and. Or even even as you said, um, another reason can literally just be logistics. So you said, you know, they were it was right at the end of the session and they didn't really get into it, and that can just be timing. They know if they've only got five minutes left, they're like, well, we'll pick that up next time. And you could do, you know, a, a two-hour between live session and get the full story. And it can just like be time. They don't want to. Well, we haven't got time for it. We'll just come back and do it next time. And so you know that. So there are many reasons, but they can be some of them
1: yeah yeah i've been i think i've been lucky with that if you can do a long session and you only really start getting to the meat of it and you're running out of time and you know you've got another session to start in five minutes so because you have to kind of um close it off in some way in a good way so that you can go back to it when you do the next session and also i suppose you don't want the person to be spending the next week or so before the next session to be feeling really bad about it. So I've, I think I've been lucky that it's very rare that that's happened to me. But would you have advice for uh, if somebody's really into it and you've got another call in five minutes?
0: Well, what you do? Have, for, I, I tend to have buffers. So that's the first one, which is like I'll schedule 90 minutes, but I'll have a 30 minute buffer. And so I'm not back to back. Uh, that, so there's just one logistical one. But another one can be, I, th- I think this actually comes a little bit with experience, which is uh, knowing. And you, it's actually really, actually you have to have quite a lot of experience. And you've got a little inner clock, which means like, you know, you've got 90 minutes and, you, and there's a little voice in your head that says at 50 minutes or whatever it is, we need a hustle. So just like that you're the subconscious, you said, you know, sometimes they're really saying, no, we don't want to mess around with this. Let's just get on to it. And so, their inner wisdom will do that. I think oftentimes your inner wisdom sort of can kick in and, and get pretty good at um, uh, moving along. And so that you you do have ha- have time. And the pacing of sessions is quite an advanced skill that does come with a bit of experience. And also, but you also make a great point, which is at the end of the day, sometimes there's nothing you can do. You just will logistically run out of time. But this is one of the benefits of, you know, if you're a one and done approach, then you've got a real problem or you're, you've, you've, it's incomplete. Uh, You can still end it on a nice point, but it's like, you know, there's more there, but you've got a one and done model. So I like a a set, you know, I've got even a three session process, even if that, but it's three to five sessions. So that's my little buffer zone that if, uh, you know, built into even the sessions that if they need to come back uh, and And another part can be just the main thing is, you know, is really just being able to wrap it up uh, nicely and neatly, and to be able to do that in a short amount of time. And that is kind of a a learned skill that you get. So a lot of times as a past life therapist, you can be a bit overwhelmed and I've got this life and I thought I, I thought about it and I was ready. I planned and I reviewed the last session. I knew what I wanted to say in this session. I had a great idea. I was just about to resolve it. And then they brought up a whole nother past life. And then I was trying to figure out how they connected, and I didn't know quite how to wrap it up and, just the more you do, the more you're able to like click into it and, and, and see the connections, make those links and wrap it up kind of neatly for the end of the session so they do uh, leave on a, a high good point. And, and a lot of times it is sort of knowing that like it doesn't have to be perfect and there is always next time and, and that it is what it is. If this is the time that you've got and you've only got five minutes left to wrap it up, then uh, you, you can uh, just find the words to do it in a way where they can then spend the next week satisfied that they got a bunch of information and patiently waiting for the next time. It's something which in the long term isn't a particularly big issue.
1: Yeah, then there's the thing of... Um, that's dealing with the conscious mind and how is the subconscious going to react? And I wonder why this... Who... Are what chooses which past life you'll see, and there is that thing of targeting the therapeutic side and saying, you know, we'll take this, we'll go to a past life that's related to your current life issues of this thing and that thing. And I also look at that. Um, so if you didn't wrap it up at the end of a session, what there's that other side of it. Uh, where you might talk to the person on their conscious side, but what is the subconscious doing? The subconscious knows that there'll be another session coming. And I also wonder, is it your higher self that's getting involved, your spirit guides? And then that takes me back to before it even starts, that it's almost like when you have the consultation call and you discuss what they want to do, is the spirit guides listening in and getting the idea of what the session's about?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, I think a lot of times, I mean, there may be times you sort of get to the end and think, oh, you know, I'm running out of time and I've got to jump into another call. And that, that definitely does happen. But I think you could, all, you could look at all the other times where it's like, oh, it all, it all came together and knitted itself sort of perfectly just in the right amount of time. So that I think that's probably that happens the majority of the time. Did you, did you say that's right, that it all just sort of fits into place and you can wrap it up and Hey, presto, it was all just magically in the right amount of time. And we got exactly yeah. where we needed to go, not 10 minutes later, not 10 minutes earlier, but it all just fitted in. Would you say that's also probably the most common experience?
1: Yeah. 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 I, I think that's partly down to your guidance. But, you know, there's that, there's part of the sessions when you can say, okay, we're going to jump to the next significant event in that lifetime that's related to your current life. And it's knowing when to, you've exhausted the current past life scene that you, you've got everything you need from it. So you know, right now it's time to jump to another event.
0: Yeah, exactly, that is, that's a good point. And so just even in, when you're in the middle of a past life session, that is something that also comes with, you notice know, a lot of experience of knowing when to cut off a thread and when to follow one. If you cut it off too early, you miss out on a lot of information. But if you don't, you end up spending too much of the session on something that doesn't, doesn't really go anywhere. And that's a, that's a real, that's something you can only learn by doing. And that is where the creativity, the decision making, your own personal intuition really comes to the forefront. And all of that is critical to you getting to the result that you wanted to in the allotted amount of time. Because if you end up, and so it's really not about, you know, how do I wrap it up in the last five or 10 minutes? That's what decisions am, am I making halfway through the session? So that that means that I, you know, I've, I've got a sense of completion by the time we get to the end. Another part is even if you do run out of time a little bit, just being able to see some of the connections and wrap things up so that and and their their subconscious, their superconscious knows what's going on, and I think they'll often assist. And that's part of the reason for blocks, which is you could start something with ten minutes left, and they know you're never going to be able to wrap this up, you know. In that time, they know you've got a call without a buffer, and that you you just shouldn't be opening this this can. Open it next time. Therefore, they'll block it, which is super helpful. They've got they've gotten you out of trouble. They know you know you're just about to hit a big emotional trigger. You don't want to do that now. Just save that for next time. And so so they're really helping you to, with with time management. You know. So they're yeah. definitely yeah.
1: yeah yeah. That's that's that thing that I wonder if people come to do a past life regression, because their subconscious, as you say, or the higher self is nudging them, it's like they're giving them a prod in the back saying, you need to do this now. And that's something I say to clients, they feel like they've had some kind of a push to do a session.
0: Yeah, that's very common. I mean, I'd see that with, I think most people really uh, just to be motivated enough to come and to show up. I think uh, whether they know it or not, I think there's, there's an element of, being guided towards you know, i think most people or almost everybody that comes is guided to, to some degree or another some people know it explicitly some people may not but it doesn't really matter and some may figure it out along the way so as we sort of talk about some of these examples i think it's really nice to talk about some of the logistics so a lot of people listening uh, are therapists in the making and have these things about "Oh, i want a bit of a push and i only know three chords and just get out there and practice it and and, and some of the, these logistics about, you know, how do you wrap it up? And I think it's really helpful. And then we get into some of these points where you're getting into the flow and you're connecting with your higher self and the client's higher self. And it's all just sort of falling into place. So what would you say some of the key principles uh, to therapy that come through? Do you find some things where, you know, you see repeating patterns and events in people's lives, but then there are there repeating patterns in terms of spiritual lessons. Like, do you see a lot of forgiveness coming through? Or a lot of people dropping disempowering beliefs or you know what what are some of the key lessons that people get as a consequence or you're losing fear of death or understanding karma what kind of things come through the most for you
1: yeah well there's a lot of insight if we go at the end of the session and we go to that kind of afterlife space and we have the spirit guides to come forward and ask them some questions and sometimes they can get a lot from that and it seems that the communication is a kind of a knowledge dump or some kind of download that they they have such an understanding of the past life that they've seen the spirit guide will tell them something and then they can spend five minutes explaining what the spirit guide took two seconds to tell them they they just get this massive understanding and they talk about how the insight they get from having that past life how they, they realize um, that they've had this sort of problem before, they may be married to someone and in their previous life, they were married to that person and they had the same problem as before. It's a repeating pattern and they get that, they find that kind of insight to be really useful.
0: I think that comes back to what we're talking about, which is like, how do you wrap up a session or make sure it's done in time? And I find this piece that we, we tend to have this is part of the structure, we take people through the narrative and find it out out about what happened. But then towards the end of the session, what we want to do in the last 10 or 15 minutes is bringing in their spirit guide for a life review. So that can then help us make sense of what was, you know, we saw them on a motorcycle with their father and their jaw and then their back and then their son and then another life. And you know, as you're going through it, you know, when do I cut it? When do I move on? What did it mean? How did it connect? I'm not quite sure. And a lot of times, you know, then I'm nervous. Am I incompetent? What's my person going to think? And but I think a lot of times you can relax and and know that and just if you're not sure, just ask. Ask them the question or bring their higher self out and ask your higher self. And uh, hey, presto! A lot of the time, their the higher self will come up with uh, a lot of this really good wrap up information. So you know, as you get more skilled, you can get pretty good at. Uh, you know, being able to wrap it up yourself, but if you're struggling to do that, definitely bring it, you know, part of the structure that I, I have in the, the courses is go to the spirit guide for a life review and let them do a lot of the wrap up. And then it's often at these times, you know, what are the spiritual lessons? And they can often give you amazing stuff. And what, what I found really nice is you, you might ask them in the interview, you know, what spiritual lessons do you think these difficult experiences may be giving you? and they don't really know what you're talking about, or try and answer it in some sort of conscious, I read it in a book kind of a way, but then you go through all of these lies or ups and downs and tears and smiles, and then ask them the same question, and you just come up with mind blowing wisdom. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And also there's that thing of giving the client space, because you might ask a question, and they just don't answer, and you you learn that maybe you need to give them 20 or 30 seconds of silence and then they'll say something. And sometimes I wonder if they, they, they've got the answer. They know what they've have. They know what they need, but they just don't want to tell me. And other times it seems like they need to process what's going on before they can say something. I think you have to learn that skill as well.
0: Yeah. A lot of times I think they even, I think you, you said it, uh, they get information in a few seconds or even in a split second, and then they can spend five minutes trying to explain it. And for me, I would say, I understand that you've got the Satori, the insight, just allow that insight to go deeper into your subconscious mind and to integrate and to help you in your life going forward. And we don't need them to then consciously explain or understand it. A lot of times, People can consciously understand, oh yes, I was born in this life, and that relates to to my life now, and these lives connected, and so then we can wrap it up nicely, and we feel good that we've sort of figured it out. Um, But it doesn't always have to be that way, and oftentimes you're still not quite sure. And sometimes I'll even have people, you know, they'll contact me like a month later, oh, I've 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 figured it out, (laughs) you know, and so we're like, oh, I want to wrap it up perfectly in the last 10 minutes, or uh, whether we know it or not. Uh, They've often figured out at some level and this is what happens then, you know, you bring them out and then there's the post-talk. So I often discourage long post-talks in early days. I think it's quite useful for therapists because you as a past life therapist, when you're just starting, you are thinking, am I doing it wrong? What's the client thinking of me? Are they judging me negatively? Did I do it wrong? Oh, I should have asked this. I've made a mistake. It's actually like a lot of musicians. They're like, they, they get off stage and go, oh, I missed one of the notes. And, and they're saying, oh, I uh, it was a bad performance. And the audience comes up and says, that was the best concert I've ever seen. You're amazing. You're a God. And the musician's going, oh, I missed a note. And no one, no one knows you missed a note. No one cares. They had the time of their life. And so, I, and so this is why I encourage post-talks for newer therapists, because they can see that the, what their client's really thinking is, this is amazing. You're a magician. This is wonderful. I'm so grateful. This is great and uh and they would appreciate it but uh in general uh once you know that then when people come out and in a post-hypnotic state they may then be trying to like consciously understand and 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 piece it together and and i would rather than let them get in let their conscious mind come back and getting into a conscious mind discussion with them i'd say hey let's just keep it let's spend most of our time just talking with the deep sub or super conscious mind and and just go and live your life and integrate it in and figure it out. Sleep, dream, live life. We'll come back in a week and, and see what happened. And then, then they yeah. come back with things like, oh, you know, I, I have no idea. And they, at the end of the session, they're like, oh, I have no idea what that meant. I don't know if that helped or not. But, and then a week later, they're like, oh, my kid's stomach's better. <laughs> and like, there's no, there's no way they can know that at the end of the session anyway. So why try and analyze it? <laughs> but just let them go yeah. live their life. And then a week later, but I, what I do recommend is definitely interviewing people before their next session. And so get a catch up of all the things that have happened and whatever realizations or insights they had in retrospect as they reflect on the session. And then they'll often come up with some really interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I did find that as at the end of the session, when you're out of the hypnosis, some people you can see the look on their face, they they're not ready to talk about it. And then... Others, all they want to do is talk about it and just to find that way to judge what is the best thing to do there.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah, that's useful. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I see that a lot and I think that's as a as a therapist, that's a decision we we need to make and and I, for the people that are not ready or uh, that's perfectly fine, and for the people that want to talk about it a lot, uh, I, in fact, I'd even encourage them to do some journaling and some writing. So you know they can they can sit there and tell it to you. But I think they're it's, they're better off really just sitting and really writing, you know. So once again, it comes down to you know being a writer and reflecting and and uh, and and getting the most out of it. So I think that applies when we're learning past life therapy, and it applies, and we can teach that to our clients as well. I think that really benefits them too. So for you, like overall, so you've gone on this journey. You know, you started off with an interest in all these kind of things as a young person, and studied hypnotherapy and. And, and finally uh, got into past life regression as a therapist. Is that something that, uh, what, is, what is going through that long journey and then becoming a therapist? Because it's one thing to be interested in past lives, you know, deeply, but it's an, it is another thing to uh, commit to being a professional and to working with other people and to learning through your own direct experiences. Our clients have their own direct experiences, not just seeing a movie, but by really feeling it and having the emotions coming up but then you're part of that as well. So what's it meant to you in your life, you know, sharing these experiences, creating them, giving them to other people? What's being a therapist meant for you?
1: Um, I suppose it, it's really a feeling that you're privileged in some way and you're lucky that you're, you're, you're kind of a facilitator. It's not like you're a doctor and the healing is all down to you. And the the patient, they just have to do as they're told and then they'll get healed. It's a, a partnership with the person that you're working with. And so it, it's it feels like yeah, you're lucky to be a facilitator to help people get into that space where they can get those insights and get that therapy. And it's a, a partnership. They no one's gonna go into hypnosis if they don't want to. They need to follow your guidance. You can't force it on them. And, you know, this is that idea that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. They follow your guidance. And, and, and I don't know how to describe it. In some ways, you're a bystander. You're just helping them. But you are guiding as well. You go through the whole session. You're asking the questions. You're deciding when to do this and when to do that. And But, uh, yeah, that that's how it feels to me that it's uh, you're lucky to be able to Help people go through this stuff.
0: Yeah, I know. I I I feel the same way. It's uh, it is. There are certain sessions where you think, how is it possible that humans can have this kind of experience? I mean, it's amazing. There's a magic in it, and uh you know, and you know, like for the clients, as you mentioned, there are some clients who said, there's no way they get it this kind of healing result through any other kind of way. I think as a therapist, it's quite a unique therapy to do, and it has quite unique benefits too the therapist and it, you know, can be very satisfying uh, in many ways for that. So is there anything that you would say to people who are interested in you know, doing all the work and committing and being obsessed and, and going through all the discomfort and nervousness and is it valuable and all those things? So there are a lot of barriers to being a therapist, um, and, but there are a lot of rewards for it in the end as well. So what would you say to people who are interested in uh, you know, uh, taking it to a professional level? Any I'd advice say it's very rewarding.:,
1: yeah, it's very rewarding, and you, you get a lot out of it, and you get to meet a lot of interesting people, and it also gives you insight into the community around you. Uh, you. You might be like me and do it all with Zoom, and I'm in the U.K. and most of my clients are in the USA. But what you learn is that there's a lot of people out there who have things happening to them or with, with them maybe physically or mentally that can be quite upsetting and they are not living some happy life that it appears they are from the outside and so it gives you some empathy and it changes the way you treat people around you whether it's your family or your work colleagues or maybe just other people you meet you realize that lots of people have these little things that may be causing suffering and I think that changes the way you treat people and you have more empathy and less judgment. And, you know, like years ago, 20, 30 years ago, you might see someone who's very overweight and you think, oh, why don't they just stop eating all that food? But actually you find that there's background to that. The reason they eat is not just because they're hungry or they're just greedy. It's down to all sorts of environmental issues maybe in their upbringing or in the, the background that causes them to eat. Because having a lot of weight is a mental thing, not a physical thing in a way. So I feel that that's that's what it's given me. It's, it's given me a viewpoint on people in general that they're you know, very complicated and there are things going on that we're never aware of because everyone hides this stuff away when they're at work or you know, just meeting as friends.
0: So for people that are interested in working with you, how can they contact you?
1: Well, my website is called PastLivesHypnosis.co.uk, And that's a kind of dual website where part of it's dedicated to the podcast and part of it's dedicated to the past life regression therapy. And uh, you can contact me there through the contact form. But it's also a link to a booking page. So you can go on there and choose the date and time that suits you to do a free consultation. It can be 20 minutes and we can just talk for 20 minutes and see if uh, the past life regression therapy is what you really want to do. And it might be that you really do want to do it, but you decide that I'm not the right therapist for you and that you need to find someone else. Or you might do it with me and think, well, this guy's great, which is what I always hope for.
0: That's great. So, if you're looking for sessions, Simon is a great therapist. I'd really recommend contacting him and benefiting from the kind of therapeutic work that he can do. And so, Simon, what about your own past lives? Have you recalled them and how do they connect to this life? Or what did you experience in the past?
1: My first past life regression, a college of psychic studies, went back to a life as a small girl, first of all, in a park in London. And for some reason, I knew it was 1895. And later on, a few years later, I went to a part of London I'd never been before. And I found that park exactly as I saw it in the past life regression. But that went on to have a life as a nurse in the first world war. And it was interesting that I could kind of, during the regression, I could kind of feel the clothes. And it was later on that I Googled, you know, First World British nurses' uniforms from the First World War. And that was exactly as I'd seen it in the regression, which, you know, maybe I'd seen it in a TV show or something. But I remember having this scene in the past life regression where it seemed to be two o'clock in the morning and I was in this huge long tent that had all these beds in it and all these soldiers with these horrific injuries. But it was really quiet. It was like the still of the night. And then one of the soldiers had a problem and me running up to try and help him. And I had this annoyance. It was like, Oh my God, why do I have to wear all these skirts? And and it was like this big sort of long to your ankles skirts that was part of the uniform. And so, so being a bloke, you wouldn't have that kind of annoyance. You wouldn't be aware of what that could be like. And it felt like it was a, uh, a long-held annoyance like for years I've been thinking why, why do I have to dress like this when I'm supposed to be in this job where I've got to be running around and helping these people in emergencies and so there's that kind of emotional thing that came up and then later in that life I was married to this man who was quite abusive and he had this attitude of oh you're just some useless stupid woman and I had such anger during the session thinking you know you don't know me you don't know what i've been through and the, all this stuff i did in the first world war when i was helping these dying soldiers and their legs blown off and all sorts of things so that that is, that, that session really set me up for being so fascinated in it because of the emotions that came up and the physical feelings and the um, visualizations the things that i was seeing that were later verified through traveling to that part of london or googling imagery you know and so that after that, the other past lives that came up, I had far more uh, interest in some way. There was that feeling that, well, OK, if this one is real and I, in some little way I might have verified it, then these other ones also might be genuine. And so that made the interest in it more powerful, I'd say.
0: Yeah, it's a great story. I think there are a lot of benefits there. Uh, and you know, so if you're wanting to become a past life regression therapist I think it's really useful if you haven't already to have some past life regression yourself and it's one of the benefits as well with the past life awakening institute doing the session swaps you get to practice with somebody else but on the other side you'll get to receive sessions from somebody therefore you can go through your own past lives and that really helps build your own rapport of knowing what it's like on the inside so you might be thinking oh what's my client thinking but if you're, you have a few sessions of being the client, knowing it from the inside is really helpful. And it can then motivate you to, to do all the necessary work and training because you, you've experienced it. So I find that's, that helps giving that compelling motivation to be one of the few that get to the end and graduate and, 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 uh, and get to practice and get all the benefits from it. So thanks so much for sharing uh, those stories about from the inside and, and the way that you're now able to do that with other people. Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: It has been really interesting. Thanks for asking me to be a guest.
0: My pleasure. So I really recommend you check out Simon's website, his podcast, and his therapy work. Thanks for listening or watching. To find out more about my guest, see the links in the description for details. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in hypnosis or hypnotherapy, or regression to this life, past lives, between lives, or spirit releasement therapy, then visit my website, thepastlifeawakeninginstitute.com, for details. Thanks so much for watching or listening, and see you next time.